Covenant Conversation Day. So now that you guys are officially here, I'm going to introduce ourselves again. So I am your conversationalist, Cassandra Lenore, and I am joined by my co-conversationalist, Dana Kyle. And so I'm super excited about today's conversation. We'll be speaking about a little bit about obedience and some other topics that I'm excited um, to discuss. So I'm going to pray us in and then we can get to it. Dear God, I just want to first and foremost ask that you forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed against you, whether it was knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously, oh God. I just ask that you forgive us and that you help us to forgive ourselves, even those things that we did that are displeasing in your sight that we are not fully knowledgeable or aware of. I ask that you reveal it and that you remove the scales from our eyes so that we can see these things, Lord God, and turn from our wicked ways or our impure ways or even thought processes. Um, in this moment, Lord, we just want to thank you for being God, for waking us up this morning, for keeping our family safe, our friends safe. We thank you for the food that is in our refrigerators, the clothes that's on our back, the houses that are over our heads. And when we are in such um, a transitional climate, God, we can focus on the negative things. But instead of asking you, Lord God, or complaining about the things that we wish that we had or we wish was different, we would just want to acknowledge you for the things that are good and for the things that are right. We may not be where we want to be, but we also aren't where we used to be. And for that, we are grateful. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this conversation. Actually, we tell you that you can take complete and full control. You can think through our minds and speak through our lips and give us the tongue of the learn so that God is glorified and all the listeners are it. Prepare the hearts and the minds of the people. Prepare the hearts and the minds even of myself and Dana, God, as we are willing and able and opening ourselves to be used by you. I thank you for all these things and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, Dana, kick us off, girl. So last week when we were discussing spiritual gifts and offices and just spiritual employment, one of the comments that we didn't get to address on screen asked, you know, what if we're not walking fully in our call or our office or our purpose, but we're walking partially in it. Mm -hmm. And I assume this person was saying that, you know, they know what their office call purpose is, but they're just choosing to walk partially in it. That's my assumption. Because like I said, we didn't get to engage the conversation live. Mm -hmm. So assuming that this person is saying, you know, we know what it is and we just choose to walk in it partially because I know that can be the truth for some people where we did have that conversation where you don't, you're not ready to fully embrace whatever God has told you or called you to or whatever gifting God has gave you and you're not fully ready to accept it. So you accept it partially, mm -hmm. but you don't you know, dive straight into it. And so we were able to respond to that comment after the fact and say, you know, partial disobedience is full disobedience or partial obedience is full disobedience. And if you're only partially doing what God told you to, you shouldn't pat yourself on the back for that. You should really be, or should maybe receive the conviction that you're not doing the full. And so that also kind of reminds me of a conversation we had 
in earlier weeks when we were discussing love, <laughs> which is a commandment of God that is hard to obey fully. Mm. And one of the comments said, you know, something we should discuss is when people get in their own ways because they choose not to be obedient. So I was saying on that live, you know, my challenge in loving people has hindered or can be a hindrance to my full ministry and to my full <clears throat> purpose and walk. And while it's just like, you know, a fleshly thing that's getting in the way, be it pride for me or maybe scars for other people or whatever it may be, it's still being disobedient because I know that I'm commanded to love. God has convicted me and told me what to do in certain situations and I would choose not to fully. And so my partial obedience was the full disobedience that is probably standing in my way of fully having the impact God intends for me to have. So being that this was something that's come up in conversation more than once and something that has also come up in conversation in my Bible studies with my ministry, you know, last week, God literally dropped the word obedience. Like he actually said it to me. He was like, obedience. And I was like, okay, God, is this for me? Is it for my ministry's Bible study? Is it for covenant conversations? Like what do you, because all I heard was obedience. So I'm like, I don't know what you talk about. What am I supposed to be obedient to? And it's just found it's, itself to be a underlying theme throughout the week, throughout me personally and what I'm going through and throughout my Tuesday Bible study and leading up even until today. So, you know, I wanted to be obedient and continue the conversation around obedience and full obedience. And, you know, not only that we're told that if, you know, we love Jesus, then we will obey his ways, but we're also commanded to obey and I think we can find in our own personal lives that when we don't, there are repercussions, whether it be to our own personal demise. We touched on that briefly last week too with like Esther, or whether it be consequential harm to third parties that we're supposed to help. So just really wanting to have a conversation around obedience and I guess engaging why people choose to be partially obedient because then maybe we can speak to that because if you're choosing to be partial obedience out of, let's say, fear, then we need to speak to fear. If you're choosing to be partially obedient out of a lack of faith, we can speak to that. If you're choosing to be partially obedient due to pride and flesh, then we can speak to that. So, you know, it all has underlying root issues on why we choose to be partially obedient, especially when it's a choice. Because, you know, if you're ignorant and you don't know, then that's something different. But if you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not fully doing it, then. Yeah, and that's actually what I was going to say, too. Um, because you have to identify, I think a lot, or sometimes people operate or walk in disobedience because they're unsure. Like, God, is this you or is this me? Right. And so because sometimes we want to get it right so bad, or we're afraid of getting it wrong. We like, well, just like, just in case this is God and it's not me, like, let me try to do it. So I really, um, mm -hmm. but you may not go full in because again, there's that confusion. There's that doubt. You don't have full clarity or understanding. And so um, it just really does. It, I think that what you said is super valid. Like we need to identify the source. We need to be able to go to the root and able to know how do I overcome or how do I completely walk in obedience. So when it, if you have knowledge and are understanding that this is what God is calling and telling, telling you to do, then now you have to ask yourself like, okay, well, why don't I want to do it? Or why am I not doing it? 
And once you ask yourself those two questions and kind of just like, I, I feel like sometimes God exposes me to me. And we pray about that a lot. Like, you know, God, or I don't know if y'all pray. I pray like, you know, God, let me see me how you see me. But that also is him revealing those unclean things, those unpure things about ourselves. And so I know I personally experienced God um, feeling just like naked. Like I felt like God had just exposed me. Like it was just so crazy to the point where even when I would like look at myself, I was like low key disgusted because I knew I, I didn't fully do what God did. I didn't fully do what God had instructed and commanded me to do. And so I, I still don't fully know why I didn't do it and why I was operating in partial obedience, which is complete disobedience. But I know that once I realized that I was doing it and I wasn't giving God my all, I wasn't giving God my best. I wasn't showing up how I was supposed to show up um, and whatever that task was. I just went into, I repented. I asked for forgiveness and God was basically like, Cassandra, I already forgave you. It's time for you to forgive yourself. I just had to reveal it to you so that you can, not allow this to overtake you or for you to not do it again, if that makes sense. And so basically I think those two questions are, will really help you to identify where that partial obedience and complete disobedience is stemmed from and coming from so that we can then address it. Um, and by we, I'm talking about you and God or us on today's conversation. Hey, Auntie and Uncle. So I guess the question that we can pose to the people, because you guys know that this is a conversation um, and a talk is like, you know, are there any particular reasons why you aren't completely operating in obedience? Or is there do you know why, if ever you choose not to fully do what it is that God has told you to do? So I think that's the first step um, that we can receive some feedback on. Dana, anything else pertaining to obedience? Yeah. In terms of like not knowing what God is telling you to do in that moment. For me too, it also just kind of always stems back to the Bible because mm -hmm. the Bible tells you what to do. So you can't fully ever stand on ignorance because the Bible tells you what to do. And it tells you, if you love me, then you'll follow my ways. So what are his ways and what are his teachings? And that is a place where you can start because some of us don't even fully operate in that obedience. Like not even getting to the, am I walking in my purpose? Am I being obedient with that? Cause yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. Like you said that you need to have and a whole nother story um, in terms of where that can land you, where your disobedience can land you and what, what the consequences of your disobedience and those things can be like it leading to your delay it leading to, to your demise, it leading, it leading to the consequence, consequential harm um, to or collateral harm to third parties, but let's take a step back and just straight up: Are you following the commandments? Are you doing what God commanded you to do? And the most simple commandment, which is the greatest, is to love God yeah. and then to love your neighbor. So, are you even doing that? Because let's start with that obedience. Because are you loving your neighbor? And then let's take it a step further than that: Are you loving your enemy? <laughs> because that's straight up another scripture too. God said in Matthew five. 43 to 47, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. And he's like, I say unto you. So this is a command, right? This is yeah. not, I'm asking you to do this. This is not, you should maybe do this. This is, I say unto you. And this is the King James Version. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for those who despitefully use you, pray for those who despitefully use you, 
and persecute you. And it goes on to say, like, because if you just love people that love you, what reward have you? Like, what yeah. more are you? Like, everybody could do that. Non-Christians do that. They love those who love them. So let's take it a step further past loving God, loving your neighbors. Do you love your enemies? Because that's a commandment that we're supposed to obey too. And I know for me, I'm a little fully disobedient in that because for me, one, I already have a problem loving, period. So I have to, I'd be stuck on two, let alone get into three. But that was a conversation we had about three weeks ago, so I could rewatch that one. <laughs> maybe even four or five weeks ago. Now, but anyway, I, say, I think it was longer than three. It was, it was like seven weeks ago, because I think that was our third conversation. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about what today is. But anyway, um, yeah, so if I'm stuck on two, how am I going to get to three? So I'd be like partially obedient in two, <laughs> but I'd be fully disobedient in three. Like, I got no love for my enemies, especially when let's look at current events. What God is telling us to do is love those who persecute you and despitefully use you. That means, or what it sounds like to me, is I'm supposed to love my oppressor as a person of the oppressed. Now, I don't know if that's fully what it's saying, but it sounds like that's what it's saying. And I ain't there. And I don't even know if I want to get there. And that's to be honest. And it reminds me of something that happened. Um, there's an NBA player, I think he plays for the Nuggets. I don't know, I don't watch NBA. Um, Michael Porter or something like that. And he mm-hmm. tweeted about how he's praying for the cops that killed George, for- George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And it was all this backlash and la la la. But obviously Michael Porter is a Christian and he said that very candidly in his tweets that, you know, this is what God commanded me to do and I recognize this for murder, but I also recognize this for spiritual warfare and the deeper rooted sin that it is. So I'm praying for that. And what kind of Christian would I be if I don't pray for the wickedness that underlies the murder? And so people of the world and natural people were just like, nah, why are you praying for him when George Ford is dead? And I get that. And on the other hand, as a Christian, it's like, but I get what Michael Ford is saying. So for me, the loving your enemies and being fully obedient in that, my struggle is finding the balance in when do you fight against and when do you love? So when do yeah. I fight against my oppressor and when do I love them if I'm supposed to? I have, I'm, go ahead. What'd you say? If I'm being obedient, if I'm following the scriptures which says to love those who persecute me, now granted persecution doesn't mean, well, I mean, I guess it could mean murder, but um, yeah, love who spitefully use you um those who curse you this is so good because i was literally um doing my one-on-one time with god the only scripture that he gave me was first corinthians 13 4 through 8 and i didn't even know that the spirit would, would segue us into a discussion on love um and so i just want to read that because I think that we even covered that in the conversation that we had about love when we talked about like, you know, and I think it was Dana who said that, you know, in order for us to even get to step number two of loving other people, we got to make sure that we are good with step number one, like that vertical relationship on loving God, because in how we love God and how we learn how to love God is going to teach us how we're supposed to exude those same traits, those same characteristics with the other people, right? Because we're supposed to I mean, it says like husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church, but we're also as Christians supposed to love people how God loves us. And, you know, it's just like this unapologetic thing. 
But in order for us to love, whether it is God, whether it is ourselves, whether it is our family, our friends, whether it is co-workers or enemies, we have to understand what love is. And so I just want to read that so that we can have that foundational truth and that foundational base. Because once we have that understanding of what love is, then we can identify where in what particular area am I having challenges of exuding love. So in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number four, it says love suffers long and is kind. Um, other translations say love is long suffering and kind. Some translation says love is patient and kind. And we know that suffering long or being patient and being kind because there's that's a conjunction and is a conjunction word. So while I am suffering and why I am going through things and why I am hurting, I am still called to be kind. Despite how I feel, despite what it looks like, I am still called to be kind because that is what God, that is what the Bible says, that is what the truth. So that's the foundational truth in love is like, despite what it looks like, despite how I feel about it, I'm still called to be patient, even in the suffering and to be kind. And obviously it's like kind to others and kind to yourself. Then it says love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, which is sin, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And so when we have an understanding of what love is, I remember I went through this season. I really feel like it was last year. And God had me reading this scripture, these um, verses every morning, sometimes multiple times a day. And it was like he was just trying to embed <laughs> a level of not just knowledge, but understanding of what love is. And then every day I would take one of the definitions of love and be like, all right, I'm going to solely focus on this today. I'm a, like, I'm going to solely work on trying to exude this thing. And so when Dana posed the question of, you know, if I am called to uh, love God, love my neighbors and then love my en enemies, but I'm already ch challenged with the loving the people that I am cool with, like the, the people that I that are in my family and that I choose to allow to be in my life. That's my friends. Then how can I love somebody that I feel like is evil or pure wickedness? And then that I feel like a lot of our conversations lately have been focused around love as well as like crucifying the flesh and warfare. So if we were to go to Ephesians um, 6, verse number 10 through 18, I don't have a pulled up, let me see. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Like, and God is letting you know right then. And so it's just, my mom used to always say this to me, like, you know, I'm not going to always agree with what you do, you know, but I love you. I may not love the sin, but I love the sinner. And so it's kind of that same thing. It's like, okay, I don't like what these people are doing, but I have to recognize that it is not them. It is the spirit that is dwelling on the inside of them or possessing them or using them, what be it through thoughts, ideas or suggestions or whatever. And then they are ultimately making the decision for we wrestle not against flesh and blood for the spirit is weak. But the, I mean, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So when we have this understanding of I don't have the issue with you. Like, actually, I need to be praying for you. I need to be praying for your deliverance. It's this spirit that dwells on the inside of you. Like, I don't have an issue with, I'm going to make up a name, Bob. Like, Bob, you're not my problem. It is that spirit that is working and dwelling on the inside of you that I have to address. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to stop wasting my breath on speaking about you because, or speaking to you about it or speaking about you about it. Because honestly, my tongue is more powerful. My words will be more powerful and present me more of a harvest if I give it to God.
So even when certain things are like, especially like with, like Dana said, what's going on in our lives, these things are literally out of our control. There are certain things that we can do. There are certain, of course, we can protest. We can vote better. Like there are certain systems, I believe, that need to be put in place. There are a lot of discussions that need to be held on national levels. But at the end of the day, some of these things are out of our control. But when things are out of our control, they are still in God's control. So I think that a part of love it includes trust. So if I am if, if I am so filled with anger or hatred or angst against what you have done or what you have chosen to do instead of addressing the evil, wicked thing. And even when it says before we wrestle, let me just go to that scripture real quick. It says um, in verse number 12, Ephesians 6, 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So when we have that foundational truth and knowledge of those things that are rising up against us. Well, it's, the battle is not ours, says the Lord. So why don't we hand this thing over to God so that he can take full control? And then even while praying for this person and praying for this situation, we can also be seeking God because we got to first got to even humble ourselves in order to pray for somebody else. Right. And so when we get into that heart posture of humility and forgiveness, because bitterness can rise up, we, when we go to God, we can then not only hand this over to him, but be heated, yielded and ready enough to receive from him so that he can provide us with the instructions that are necessary. Okay, so somebody said, could my prayer be they go to prison forever then for them to have a saw experience or should I stick to the scripture? God said, let vengeance be mine. That is a great question. Daniel, you want to provide your take on it or you want me to go first? Well, that's my aunt. And she also knows how I feel about prison because she and I have had this conversation as well. And so it, I just have a lot of conflicting beliefs and challenges where I don't know what to stand on necessarily. Because for me, my other conflict that I need to reconcile is for instance, when God went into the temple and started flipping over tables because they were selling and gambling in the temple. Now he could have prayed for their spirit of greed and perversiveness, but he didn't. He flipped over tables and turned up and that's what I'm trying to do. So why can't I do that? So for me, it's kind of, it, and I feel like that's what my aunt is like, kind of sort of getting into, like, well, differently. But um, so that conflicting in terms of that, in terms of what you said earlier, in terms of praying for the spirits, like, cool, yeah, I can do that, but I can also flip tables too. So that's my thing, and I don't know. I can love you and flip tables. I can be angry and not sin, and flipping tables is not sinning. So for me, that's where my need to reconcile the scriptures lies because the scriptures tell me I can be angry as long mm -hmm. as it's righteous anger and I don't sin. The scriptures tell me that Jesus got upset righteously and started flipping tables, but the scripture also tells me to love my enemy. So for me, it's reconciling those three in terms of what you said, because while I can pray for the spirits and towards the evil and wickedness in high places, we have to also be very realistic that it is a very systematic and intentional system that is not going to disappear overnight with one prayer. And so in the meantime, while I'm praying, what am I doing in the natural? So for me, that's my need to reconcile now in terms of loving the person in the meantime while I'm praying. That's something that, okay, I understand what you said, but let's be honest, I'm not there yet. Now, Michael Porter clearly is, I ain't, but we gotta get there. 
So in terms Let of- Let me the ask whole- a question though, because what I said was um, that while you're softening your heart and you get into this posture of humility and praying for that person, then you can also be able to receive from God the instructions that you need in order to move forward. So even if Jesus was out there flipping, we know that Jesus was guided by God. So whatever that practical flipping over tables looks like for you, God is not necessarily saying that you can't do it, but you need to be guided by God, which is why it still needs to start with the warfare in the in the prayer realm so that you can even receive from God which, what tables you should be flipping and what that looks like in the natural. So I think that that's what you have to get the understanding of. It's not that you can't be angry. It's not that you can't advocate. It's not that you can't do whatever it is well, you definitely can't do whatever it is that's in your heart. If your heart is already filled with anger, if it's already filled with hatred, if it's already filled with rage, you wanted to not pull up, knock over ta- um, tables, is you doing it. That's what you want to do. That's not what God has told you to do. So when you get to this place of humility so that you can receive, then God can give you the download. Like, all right, now this is what it looks like. And this is what I want you to do in order to move forward. I understand. So in terms of my aunt's question or my thoughts on that, that's another thing that I have to reconcile because God talks about his justice being perfect and his scales and he has the weight in the scales and all of that. Because essentially, if a person is praying that Derek Chauvin, who is the racist murderer, go to jail forever, for them, that's justice. So if they're essentially praying for justice, is that wrong? But is that perfect justice or is that their heart's desire for justice? But at the same time, who am I to say that that isn't justice per se, because jails and prisons have been around since the beginning of the Bible. So like, who? but at the same time, this is my conflict, I also lean closer to prison abolition. I'm not a prison abolitionist, but I lean closer to that than I do lock them up and throw away the key. So for me, it's like, what's perfect justice? Because if a person's praying that this murderer go to jail, naturally a lot of people would say that makes sense and that is justice. And why shouldn't I pray for justice? But are you praying for that justice out of a vengeance because you want that person's life to be ruined? Then that's getting into eye for an eye, which is what the Bible tells us we can't do. And that vengeance is his. So I guess it goes to the intention of your prayer, right? and also, it goes into if you're guided by God's justice or your own definition of justice. And that's the issue with a lot of people. I'm not even going to say these systems, but these people, because when you talk to people and they think of what justice is for them, a lot of times it's evil, mm. which is why I tend to lead, lean closer towards prison abolition, because you can't be screaming and crying about mass incarceration, but then turn around and say, throw them under the jail and lock away the key. Mm. The two don't really work. Mm-hmm. But that's the paradox that we live in in this reality, and I understand both sides. I think with um, from my perspective on um, commenting on your aunt's question is I don't necessarily know if there is a wrong way to pray because it's just out of the abundance of your, the heart, the mouth speaks. So even if you were to pray something, but your heart didn't believe it and didn't go, like it, it was, it's not a heart filled prayer. The intentions matter to God, which is what Dana spoke about. So with me personally, like I, I remember when I was reading and studying the story of Job and he basically long story short, kind of started saying like, you know, he was, I bet he basically was feeling like it wasn't fair. 
And I remember when I was teaching this uh, story in a pulpit and the, I didn't read anywhere in the Bible that it says God will be fair, but it says that he will be just right. He's a just God. And so when it says that vengeance is mine, I think that my prayers, although like I could definitely be one. Of, and I do believe that some people do deserve jail. Like I am. Like, I, I believe that some people don't deserve to just have freedom and be locked up or whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't spe specify my prayers that much unless I'm like angry and I just like need to get it out. And God know my heart and I just like say whatever is coming to my mind and I'm pouring it out to the father and just total vulnerability and transparency. Because if I can't be vulnerable with him and if I can't be transparent with him, then I am doomed. But what I pray and I pray this so consistently and it's probably like my daily prayer, especially when evil principalities and powers present themselves in manifest and manifested forms and people like I say, God, not my will, but yours be done. So even after I pray, like, Lord, let them get locked up, let this, let that, blah, blah. Like, I understand that when the Bible says vengeance is not mine, it's the Lord. That's because God doesn't want us to harbor these feelings of unforgiveness and anger and bitterness. Because when we do, it hardens our heart and it limits us from being able to receive and move forward to walk out whatever it is that he has called for us, just not just in our life, but in this day. And so I think that a great way to pray is like pray whatever is on your heart. Like God knows it's on your heart anyway. So say all those things. But just like Jesus did in the garden, at the end of that prayer, you can say all kind of stuff. It could be bad stuff, like whatever. God knows how you feel anyway. You should say, but not my will, but yours be done. And I think that God will love that. Amen. Amen. So I think that uh, one of our conversations we were speaking about, like, um, was it that it was, hey, was it our love conversation that love is a decision? I think that just like faith, love is a decision. If we didn't say that, I want to say it now. And you have to decide to want to know what love is. You have to decide to want to understand what love is. You have to decide to receive love, to open yourself to receive love. You have to be willing to exude the characteristics of love and honestly like in in first corinthians it says that love is the like love is the greatest thing right love is greater than all of it like it don't matter what gift is how dope you are none of that stuff if you do not have love and and it there's a scripture in first john that says that god is love and then we know that the fruits, one of the fruits of the spirit is love. So at the end of the day, you cannot be successful in life without love. And I say this because earlier this week, well, today is Thursday. So, yes, earlier this week, I was studying for, oh, my gosh, I was studying First Corinthians again. I shared this um, on one of my live streams from Tuesday. Um, and literally, I, God stopped me at First Corinthians 13 a when it says love never fails. And then he took me to that first John scripture that says God is love. So if love never fails and God is love, we always say like, man, God is not a man that he should lie. God can do everything but fail. And that's because he is love. So if love never fails and God never fails. And when we become blood washed believers, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then he lives on the inside of us through the Holy Spirit. So if love, love never fails and God is love. So God never fails and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. Then we never fail. And so one of the sentences that I wrote down in my um, journal during my devotion time that morning is that love is the answer to success in all things. That is exactly what God gave me. 
And he was like, he, he first he spoke like love is the answer. And I'm like, period. I'm the period. And I was all empty and everything. And God was like, Cassandra, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not done. Slow your roll. Like he literally said, slow down. So I said, okay. And then he said, love is the answer to success. I'm like, period. In Jesus' name. All right, love is the answer to success. So I need to exude love in every area of my life. And again, he was like, Cassandra, slow down. I'm not finished yet. Like this is, I really wish I had my notebook in front of me. Like this is how God talks to me. And then, cause he speaks to me through my pen. And then immediately after that, he continued the sentence and he said, love is the answer to success in all things or in every area. I don't have the exact verbiage in front of me. So if we get a grasp on love, then we can impact the world and change however God sees fit in our life. Hallelujah. All right. So um, as we conclude today's conversation, we want to make sure that we open up the floor for any questions or feedback, prayer requests, anything that you guys want to share with us. This will be the perfect time to do that. We always want to allow a space for questions to be answered. I did just want to say to um, that if, I mean, we're, we're, we're told to obey God's teachings and God, God's teachings tell us to love. But I think too, because like you said, love covers a multitude of sins and it's all those other things that if we then love, it will probably be easier to obey other things. Um, there's also that like impediment of fear and faith, but a lot of times if we love our neighbors, we'll be more obedient to do for them or to do, even when we love our enemies, we'll be more obedient to do when God sends us to Fear and faith is a different story, but yes, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I, I agree. Love makes you successful and obedient. All right, so we don't have any, a word. All right, so we don't have any questions um, popping up on our end. So we have something we wanna share with you guys. Out of or speaking in the vein of obedience, you know, this whole covenant conversations is a product of obedience because I want to do it. <laughs> be honest. <laughs> but in the same vein of obedience and being obedient, we've also decided to be more obedient and further what God is telling us or told us to do and to expand covenant conversations onto more platforms so that more of our friends, family, loved ones, and friends of friends, et cetera, can engage with us and come back and tune in with us. So on today's 10th week, 10th episode, the number of was perfection, completion? Number of completeness, yes. Completeness. And in honor of the number of completeness, we will completely be expanding. <laughs> we will be completely obedient. We will complete this circle or start the completion of the circle and move out and roll out and go forth with progressing the church and the word onto Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud. 
And so if you want to hear more about everything we or everything that God has in store for us and through us, head over to Instagram if you have it at Covenant Conversation. No S. So not plural, like a singular conversation. So Covenant Conversation. So on Instagram, that is Covenant Conversation. And if you've noticed today, we've shared our live from a Facebook page rather than from Cassandra or myself's page. So you can, oh, look at that. Look at that fancy smancy. So <laughs> from now on, our conversations on Facebook will be live from our Facebook page, Covenant Conversations, with an S that time. Mm -hmm. So Facebook will be plural. <laughs> and you can go ahead and follow or like that. I guess you like the pages. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I'll be on Facebook like that. You like the Facebook page so that way you can get the notifications when we go live and you won't have to see me in the first minute of the video like trying to share it to my page, X, Y, and Z. It will all be in one place. We won't have to share it. So if you go ahead and like the Facebook page, it will all be in one place. You don't have to follow me or Cassandra and it will all be on that page. So on Facebook, that's Covenant Conversations the plural one. And if you want to send out the conversations to your friends and they don't necessarily have a Facebook, you will now have a YouTube link, a SoundCloud link, and an iTunes link that you can send to your friends if they want to hear and um, join us in the conversation after the fact. So the conversations will live on, on those platforms without having to scroll through Cassandra's 100 posts a day to find the conversation. Okay. It'll be on the page, it'll be on the YouTube, it'll be on the SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. So Cassandra just did the scroll with all those handles. But if you go We're on, also on Spotify, five platforms, just want to throw that out there. Oh, Spotify. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Um, so Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Covenant Conversations, Instagram, Covenant Conversations. So if you go on the Instagram, and follow us on there. We'll be doing a lot of fun things on there and all the links for the other five platforms will be in that bio. And if you go on the Facebook page, all the links will also be on that page. So everything should be easily accessible. You have options now. And if you go over to Instagram, we'll do fun things like polls and questionnaires so that we can be more engaging and the conversation could be just that, a conversation. All right. So we're excited. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I think Dana is too. We we about to drop fire. We're gonna drop some super hot fire today at this. So just stay tuned to our pages because we got this dope super hot fire. That's about to roll out. All right, y'all. So um, that's awesome. You got my dad. Oh my gosh, we have not. So we will take care of that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, huh. It's so funny because it's funny. Uh, I remember when um, we were setting up our Facebook pages and everything like that. We were trying to put like, you know, only church. I was like Christian, like, like it was only like posting up church. I'm like, mm-mm. Yeah, ministry we like ministry and so we had to you know agree upon a religious organization <laughs> so i guess it is a ministry so cash app coming soon 
for the uh, love offerings, for the tithes and offerings. So I'm going to go ahead and we can pray this out, Dana. Yo, your family going to be playing. I cannot. <laughs> That's all? Mm -hmm, I don't think you, it's, it's not showing me any other comments on this end. Let me see. Because you know how sometimes it be delayed. Yeah, this is it. Okay. Okay. So we just thank you guys for joining us for another covenant conversation. We're going to pray out and we pray that you have a very prosperous remainder of your week and a peace and rest filled weekend in Jesus name. Take us away, Dana Kyle. Oh my gosh. Me too. Me too, AT. I love doing God's work. Anyway, I did just want to also create the space to talk about, you know, current events. Because if you know me, um, yeah, I didn't want to, especially as Christians, I see some pastors and preachers like speaking up on current events and I ain't going to touch on my opinions on those things, but as Christians, it is our duty to be on the front line in this war. And so if we as Christians remain silent, black, white, or other, then you're not being obedient to God. So that's the wrong attitude. So I did just want to acknowledge, you know, God told me to say that I was being obedient. Oh, with Cash App. <laughs> oh, I, am so weak. I am so weak. I got I you. So messy outside. I would have went over to her house because anyway. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. I was gonna change but open um, the floor for conversations pertaining to what the climate of what's going on currently in the society. Oh yeah, yeah, but I also just also want to open the space to um acknowledge and honor the different lives that were lost in war. Yeah. So I'll pray out now with our last minute. <laughs> okay. Dear God, thank you for life. Thank you for life, especially in a time where certain people's lives are undervalued, misvalued, and wickedly taken, brutally taken in the blink of an eye with no rhyme with no rhyme reason or logic senselessly and abruptly so we thank you especially for life we thank you for the protection that you have afforded all of us in this war and we ask that you continue to protect us especially the vulnerable ones of us that are in this earth and in this world more likely to be persecuted so god Guide us and direct us, help us and give us the strength to be obedient to your word. Give us the strength to be obedient to your teachings and your ways to emulate you and be more like you. Give us the conviction to get more of you, to get in your presence more so that we can have more of your love and more of your guidance and to teach us how to move in a room full of vultures to teach us how to move in the lines then. Thank you for your word and the blueprint in your word so that we are not wandering around aimlessly like those who do not follow you. Save souls and bring them into your kingdom and into your salvation so that they will have the blueprint as well and so that they will have your love. And teach us how to love. So 
that we not only love you, we not only love ourselves, but that we love our neighbors no matter what they look like, no matter where they're situated in the world, no matter how they identify as persons, but just teach us how to love. And then after that, teach us how to love our enemies so that we can do your work, do your will in the way that you intend us to do it. In Jesus' name I pray and for his sake, amen. Amen. Before we fully close out, um, two things popped in my mind while you were praying. So Music Soul Child has the song entitled Love. And he originally wrote that song um, as a gospel record, but didn't believe that it would be uh, well received from him since he's a secular artist. So that's why if you ever listen to like gospel radio stations or anything, you hear other people's rendition of that song Love and them just singing it up onto God. But he, ha he has another song that says, teach me how to love. And um, while Dana was praying, that song literally just started because she said, teach us how to love. And that song started playing in my mind. And one of the lines in that song, it says, teach me how to love. Show me the way to surrender my heart. And if we remove girl and say, God, I'm so lost. I think that, you know, what Dana prayed is a great place for us to start in our heart posture and wanting to learn, like even and being willing to and wanting to learn what love looks like so that we can exude that thing. Um, and it starts with surrenderance. And one of the things that I was sharing with Dana yesterday is that a lot of times we think that surrenderance looks like this, like I got to give up something. But it more so looks like this, where I'm open and ready to receive whatever it is that you have for me. So it's not so much that I have to give up, but that I be, have to be open enough to receive. And so I just want to leave you guys with that. Join us next week for another Covenant Conversation. I am and your conversation. What'd you say, Boo? I said, and follow us on the gram. Yes, follow. Hold on, let me go back to my thing because we didn't we didn't upgrade it. Follow us on the gram if you want to see this super hot fire we about to drop. All right, love y'all. Bye. Who am I? Am I ready? Am I called? Am I cool? Am I tripping?